privilege this morning to have Reverend Dr. Robert McKelvey with us again today. Thank you so much for traveling and being with us this morning. Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews this morning? Our focus is going to be on Hebrews 4 primarily. I'm actually going to begin reading in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, and we will begin in verse 12. Before we begin reading, let's look to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we, we look for, as we just sang, the arising of that long-expected day. day of rest to which our enjoyment of this Lord's day points to a day of Sabbath rest that points to our eternal Sabbath rest and we come to a passage that points that out so clearly This is Your Word, and we need You, Holy Spirit, to open it to us. That we will see You, Lord Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath and of Sabbath rest. Our hearts will be fixed upon You, believing on You as those who, as we considered last week, have entered rest as we trust in You alone for our great salvation and as we look ahead to what awaits us. Bless us. May it be that what this feeble preacher has to say will be good for our souls because it comes from Your truth. We ask all of it in Your name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. As has 
just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, this work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his work just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Therefore, 
Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the Word of God. Years ago in 1983, there was an ultra marathon held, and I don't know if it continues to be held. It was held for several years at least in Australia. The race was held from Sydney, the city of Sydney, to Melbourne. 544 miles. About 10 years ago, I ran an ultra marathon in South Africa. It was 35 miles long. By the time I got to the end, I felt like I could barely walk. This was 544 miles long. Of course, the race would take several days and the runners would have to rest. We've heard of such things before and we stand in awe of anyone who's able to complete such a feat. But we would be surprised to learn of the man who won the race that year. He was 61 years old. He was a potato farmer. You see pictures of him. You can look his name up on the internet. Cliff Young. Doesn't look like a runner. He looks like a farmer. And when he entered the race, the organizers were somewhat incredulous that this guy was entering the race. They thought it might be some sort of a joke. They were concerned that this guy was going to die in trying to complete such a race. His training methods? To run after sheep on his farm. And he said that that there were times when he would run nonstop for up to two to three days. Sounds unbelievable, but it, that he won the race, uh, it, it is believable. Not in running shoes, but in gum boots. Gathering up his sheep because of an incoming storm. Well, the race started and Cliff Young was behind everybody. And when it came time for the first checkpoint to rest for the night, he kept going. Sort of a modern day version of the tortoise and the hare kind of a situation. By the end of the race, he not only was ahead of the second place finisher by nine hours, it took him five days, some five days and 15 hours to complete this race. He had broken the record for the race. How did he do it? He kept 
going. He said he imagined while he was running that he was chasing after sheep trying to outrun a storm. He kept striving. You can imagine in a race like that, you would just want to quit. You just want it to be over. But he had the finish line in mind and he kept going. Now we know in the Scriptures that the Christian life is at times compared to strenuous activities like that of an athlete. And I would have us as we come to Hebrews 4 today to consider the eternal rest that awaits us as Christians. That promised land of which we sang this morning. And to see this in the Christian life that we are to be reminded every day, but especially on the Lord's Day, that we are saints in motion seeking rest. That's how we ought to view ourselves, identify ourselves as Christians in this world. We are saints in motion seeking rest. But let's look at this passage and As you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, you know that there's a lot of Old Testament stuff in the book of Hebrews. You've probably heard a saying along these lines. The New Testament and the Old Testament is concealed and the Old Testament in the New Testament, is revealed. In other words, all the things that are going on in the Old Testament, it's as though the New Testament is this beacon of light shining upon it to show us everything, to open it up so that we can see it. But there's an interesting thing that takes place in the book of Hebrews it sort of suggests this, that, do you know what? In order to make sense of the New Testament, we have to understand the Old Testament. And clearly you see this as the writer of Hebrews looks back to the time of the Exodus as God leads His people out of bondage and takes them to the promised land. And they turn against Him. And they rebel. And we see in the passage an interplay. Well, what was it that led God to make them fall in the wilderness to kill them? That first generation of Israelites. Was it their unbelief? Or was it their disobedience? And the answer is yes. Both of them, they go together. Their faith and their obedience went together. And we see declared time and again as we read through Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4 
an allusion back to Psalm 95, which we see is well after the time of Exodus and is in the time of David. And God makes this declaration, they shall never enter my rest. Now something that becomes very clear is that the writer says, now notice it says today. David is saying, well after the time of Exodus, the Exodus, hundreds of years later, David is saying, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites. Those for whom I declared on oath in anger, they shall never enter my rest. So, in the time of David, it becomes clear that the rest that God spoke of at the time of the Exodus was not so much in the promised land, even though he would say in the book of Joshua, and Joshua would relate to the people that when they go to the land, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 13 and 15, or 13 through 15, they, they would enter into rest. But notice in, in, the, in Hebrews chapter 4, something that is said in verse 8. It becomes clear that the rest to which Joshua was leading the people in the promised land was not ultimately their resting place. And he says, If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later in the time of David about another day. And now he says something more. Look, this day doesn't, this isn't something that's limited to the time of David either. There remains now a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There's a word here. And I I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before here. I don't I'm not a big fan of preachers bringing Greek and Hebrew into the pulpit unless there's something that really needs to be said to help us understand. And one of the reasons is I don't want you as God's people to think that you don't have the Word of God by reading it in your own language, English or some other language. I want you to feel that when you open up the Bible, you can read it and understand it and not have a preacher tell you, you absolutely need me to understand the Word of God. God has given us teachers and and they help us. But more importantly, we have His Word and we have the Holy Spirit. But there's a word here that is used one time in the New Testament. And the word is this, sabbatismos. And as you hear that word, you hear the sound of another English word, sabbath. It is called a Sabbath rest. Now, when the writer of Hebrews says, there's a Sabbath rest for the people of God that remains, is he talking about the Sabbath day? No. At least not directly. 
He's talking about the eternal rest which awaits us as the people of God. It's the rest, the writer of Hebrews says, that God entered into after creation. On the seventh day, God rested from all His work. Now that doesn't mean somehow, and so God appointed for His people the Sabbath day to rest from their labors. That doesn't mean inactivity. The state of blessed rest into which God entered. Because Jesus clearly says in John chapter 5, well after the time of creation, my Father is working and I am working. So, this blessed rest does not mean God is not active any longer. Because that rest that He wanted for His people as we mentioned last week, was ruined by the fall. And Jesus had to restore it. And so we looked at Matthew 11 last week where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And we, we, we mentioned the fact that isn't rest in general for weariness, but for those who are burdened by the law, which they cannot fulfill. Jesus came to give them rest. Because He performed all the labors for them. And He died for those who failed to do so. And He rose again from the dead to secure our eternal salvation. And we enter into that rest. And notice what the writer of Hebrews says as well, that God's people enter that rest. Those who believed, verse 3, chapter 4, enter that rest. Now! In Christ. But yet, there's a rest to come. That state of eternal blessedness, as we sang, that we entered into. Free from sin, in the presence of God. That's the rest we want to attain. And yet, it's clear. Some won't enter. And it's clear that the writer of Hebrews, though he says, you, by faith in Jesus Christ, through the Gospel that was preached to you, notice what he says about that, by the way. The people in the Old Testament had the Gospel preached to them. I don't know if there are any dispensationalists here. I used to be a dispensationalist. There is no two ways of salvation. There are no two peoples of God. There is the one people of God and the way of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't as clear to them then as it is now to us, but they had the Gospel preached to them. But it wasn't mixed with faith. They didn't believe. It wasn't somehow that they got to go into the promised land because of their obedience, but because of their faith in Christ. We have that Gospel, He says. And we have that rest to enter into now, and that awaits us. But notice, that it remains indicates and demands Striving on our part. 
not to gain or to merit that rest by our efforts. But it indicates that we as the people of God, saved by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, are going to have an act of faith. And so he says, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Now, if you read chapter 4, verse 11 by itself, you would rightly conclude that we get to heaven through our obedience. But that's not what he's saying. He is saying, for those who have faith in Jesus Christ, who enter that rest now in Him, we will live a life of obedience We will strive. We will remember that this life of temptation and toil to which the writer of Hebrews alludes as he speaks to these Jewish Christians tempted to turn away from it all, that we have to strive. We have to labor. And we become weary in doing so. I'm sure among us right now are some who are very weary. I'm talking about that general weariness of the Christian life. Maybe there are circumstances in your life right now that make you feel I just want to stop. I just want to get off the merry-go-round. I want it to be done. It doesn't mean you're going to commit suicide, but you're just ready for the toils of this life to be done. And it just keeps going. And that alarm clock goes off in the morning and you say, I don't want to get up. I want to face another day. It isn't just the difficulties of life in general. Maybe there are things going on in your family or in your workplace connected to your faith in Jesus Christ. And you've got issues to deal with, health issues, financial issues, And you want it all to stop. How often we feel that way in the Christian life. The writer of Hebrews is aware of that. And so he wants us to fix our eyes upon the fact that this eternal Sabbath rest remains. And we are to hear today. Today. Not just in the time of David in the context of Psalm 95. Not just in the time of the writing of the letter to the Hebrews. But today, if you hear His voice in His Word, which we have this beautiful statement of how it is alive and active. Today, if you hear His voice in His Word, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did. Don't turn away from the Lord in the midst of the difficult circumstances, in the trials that you face, 
in the tribulations that come, which Jesus promises in this world, you will have tribulation. Don't harden your hearts. Remember what He says after that. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have provided you with that rest that I give to you as a gift, not because you've earned it, But you must persevere to the end. You must make every effort to enter that rest. The Christian life is not passive. It's of grace. But that it's totally of grace doesn't mean it's passive. And we have to strive to enter as we rest in Jesus Christ. And there's the key to the striving. Christ. Resting in Him. Who is our justification? Our acceptance. Who is our sanctification? Who is through His Spirit at work in your hearts so that you can get up? So that you can make it through another day? And that eternal rest is pointed to by this day. The Lord's day. You see, God instituted the Sabbath before the giving of the law on Mount Sinai through His entering into rest on the seventh day. And then it was instituted formally for His people in the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus, He never repudiated the Sabbath. He never rejected it. He butted heads with the Pharisees because they misunderstood it and misinterpreted it. And He came to tell them what it truly means as the Lord of the Sabbath who says, this day is made for you. You're not made for this day. This day is to point you to the blessed state of rest that you have in Me. That you have to enjoy God. And some people will say, look, nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament, but the Sabbath no longer is. And there's some truth to that. So, some people say the Sabbath no longer remains. You may have such a position. Yet, I would say this, and hear this well, that if there is an eternal Sabbath rest that remains, so too is there a day that points to it. And that is the Lord's day. The day itself has been changed because of the resurrection of Christ who secures that rest for us. That new creation state that we can enter into that rest. And so I would say to you, as people often come, can I do this on the Lord's day? Can I do that? Forget about those questions. And grab on to what you can enjoy on the Lord's Day. That you have this day in a special way to enjoy fellowship with your Savior and with each other as the community of saints looking forward to glory. That glory that awaits us. And on this day, we have a special opportunity to enjoy it to put everything aside, all the distractions, all the cares of life,
and come together as God's people and worship the Lord in a blessed way. To sing together, to pray together, to be under the ministry of God's Word. It's a blessing. Now, I know, even as a, a preacher, I know the thoughts that can easily go through somebody said, I've had it myself. How long is this guy going to go on? When's this service going to come to an end so I can go have my lunch? We struggle with those things. But we must continually be called back to the blessing that is ours on this day. The challenge I gave you to remind ourselves that we're saints in motion seeking rest is not something I made up. It comes from a book by a Puritan, Richard Baxter. Maybe you've heard of him. A famous book called The Saints' Everlasting Rest. And it finds as its springboard, Hebrews chapter 4, the eternal Sabbath rest that waits for the people of God. This everlasting rest. And he says, if this is the case, if there is this everlasting rest, it implies three things. First, that we're in motion. Saints are in motion seeking that rest. The second thing it implies is that there is an end that we seek, that a goal on which we have our eyes, and that is the everlasting rest. And the third thing that it implies is this. There's a distance to get there. An ultra-marathon of life. Much more difficult than running 544 miles in the end. And we're in the midst of running that distance. But remember, we do it in Christ. So, in the challenges of this life that you all face, from health issues to job concerns to getting your visa renewed, these all Real challenges. Let us learn to hang on to what we sang this morning in those times to remind ourselves. I am bound. I am bound. I am bound for the promised land. And when we have our eyes fixed upon that, we can go through all those challenges as saints in motion seeking rest. Let's pray. Our Father, we are a blessed people. You could destroy all of us our grumblings, our lack of faith, our unbelief, our disobedience, even as your children who have so much in Christ. And yet you don't. You remain patient with us. But while you do, you you say, if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't turn away.
May we with our eyes fixed upon the eternal rest that you enjoy that Christ has secured in His finished work as He offered a sacrifice and is seated at your right hand. The One who said on the cross, it is finished, who has secured that rest for us through His person and work. May our eyes be fixed upon Him. May we remember that because of Him, we are bound for the promised land. And with that in mind, may we be able to continue on to know there is an end to all this. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts to embrace these things. We pray all of this in Your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. For a hymn of response, Will you turn with me please in your hymnals to number 546?